0: Okay, our scripture reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 31. Now concerning gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is accursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Now there are varieties of gifts, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you help Joel to explain this passage to us, give him your insight, and enable him to pass it on to us. Thank you, Father, that we have the privilege of studying your word and reading, and that we have freedom here to worship you. In Jesus' name, Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you so much, Maggie. As a church, we have been going through a series called United Together in Christ. And at, through this series, we, in the first week, looked at the value that God gives us as creator, that we are here as human beings because God has created us. And moreover, he has created us in his image. We're image bearers. There's value to that. It shapes how we interact with one another together. Then last week, we looked at representation, as Dan alluded to earlier, about how sin and death impacts us and has an impact on our lives not only because of the decisions we individually make, but because of the things that work their way out in our community and in our families. Well, this morning, as we continue with this series, United Together with Christ, we're going to look at the reality of God-given gifts how they shape us as a family, how they shape us as one body. There is a television show that the uh, Australian Broadcasting Company has put together called Bluey. And uh, Bluey is a show about an Australian blue healer family. Uh, It stars Bluey, uh, a healer puppy, uh, together with her sister, Bingo. And uh, in the second season of Bluey, one of the problems, well, first, they start off in... uh, on a family kind of fun day at the park. And so Bluey and Bingo, together with mom and dad, are are at the park, and they're on the seesaw, and everything is great. But then, as dads can sometimes do, the dad gets on the seesaw and refuses to move. He says, no, y'all have to figure it out. And so Bluey and Bingo are left uh, on the top side of a seesaw, uh, working together to figure out how it is they get the dad off. They ask him, no, he won't move. They try to push him, and he's like, oh, thanks a lot for the massage, but I'm not moving. Uh, And so they have to figure it out. And as the Seesaw episode unpacks, uh, Bluey, Together with Bingo, they go to Chloe, the Dalmatian, and Coco, and Snickers, and they start to try to load up. And uh, they're going out to their friends in the park to try to figure out, how can we get enough weight to move our dad off the seesaw? What, uh, in, in one sense, is an individual problem, because it was just Bluey, and then it was just Bingo on the seesaw, it, it, they invite the community to try to figure this out. And uh, when Paul writes to the Corinthians, there is a parallel to what's happening in the Corinthian church. In a sense, they have a shared community mission. But when members of the church realize that they have certain spiritual gifts, they begin to think of themselves a bit too high and mighty to participate in things like helping out on the seesaw. And so on one end of the spectrum, you have incredibly individually gifted people who think I'm too good to climb up and get all the way up there on the seesaw. Uh, That's not my thing. I I have the speaking gifts. And and then you have people like Pom Pom, who uh, at least early in the episode think of themselves as too small and insignificant. To help with those bigger problems. So when they're invited in, they think of themselves and they say, No, I don't know that I have much to offer. I'm tiny, this park doesn't seem to be made for me, and I just don't know how I can contribute. And that is the church context that Paul is trying to write to help the Christians in this city of Corinth, a global city in the first century world, to begin to understand what it looks like for spiritual gifts to work their way out into the family. What does it look like for people to be united together to Christ? What does it look like to enjoy gifts like tongues and prophecy and the ability to make known the reality of Jesus' resurrection alongside gifts like serving and administrating, gifts like wisdom where you exercise discernment and can understand how complex things work together. What does it look like for that whole group of gifts to function together as part of one body? And that's what Paul is writing in this section to address. And if I could summarize it for you, so if you walk away with kind of this main point this morning, it would be that spiritual gifts are from God, given to all of his people for the good of loving one another. Spiritual gifts are from God, given to all of his people for the good of loving one another. And we're going to look at that in a couple of points this morning. The design of spiritual gifts and the direction of godly love. So in the opening of chapter 12, there's a pivot. Uh, There's a phrasing here that Paul uses in verse 1. So chapter 12, verse 1, if you have your Bibles open, I'd invite you to look there. If you have your worship guides, follow along. But he says, now concerning. And that phrase, now concerning, for Paul, is a way where he says, hey, I'm going to introduce a new topic. It's a bit of a nudge to the Corinthian church to say, okay, now I'm going to talk to you about this thing. And the gifts here in verse one, where in your translations and in the ESV it drops in gifts, uh, that's a bit of an um, introduction by the translators. The, the sense there is uh, the actual word is, is spiritual stuff, maybe. I'm going to talk to you about spiritual stuff, and it's inferred for us spiritual gifts. He writes and says, I don't want you brothers and sisters. I think that's the general use of brothers there in verse 1. Brothers and sisters would be a wholly appropriate understanding of what he's saying. That Paul doesn't want us, sisters and brothers, to be uninformed when it comes to how spiritual gifts work. And he opens up in this introduction in verses 1 through 3. By saying that spiritual gifts are from God. He wants us to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can ever say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Here's his point. When it comes to spirituality, let's say that you're here this morning and you're fine with the statement, I want to be a more spiritual person. What Paul is saying right here in the opening three verses is if that's what you want, you want to be a more spiritual person, the route, the avenue that you come by that truth is through Jesus Christ. Now, I know that in some sense in our day and age, that's a bold claim. And yet that's exactly what Paul is saying. For the Christian faith, if we want to grow spiritually, if we want to become more spiritual, if we want to engage with our spiritual side, it starts and finishes with the reality, person, and work of Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. And so when he introduces spiritual gifts, he's saying we have to think of these things as rooted, founded upon the work of Jesus. And he continues that line of thought in verses 4 through 11. Now, catch this. In verses 4, 5, and 6, there is a bit of a a framing of these spiritual things, these spiritual gifts, these spiritual attributes, these abilities that play themselves out in the lives of people that come from the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In verse 4, And watch the parallels here. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. In verse 5, there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And in verse 6, there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. And so here are these like three short verses that you can almost breeze through if they're familiar. You can say, okay, yeah, 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 get to the, the body metaphor, get to the hands and feet thing. But if you speed through four through six, you miss the oomph of what he's saying. Spiritual gifts are designed by God for his people. And not just any God in this vague, ethereal kind of way, but the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit for all of his people. That's the case that Paul is making in verses 4 through 6. And so while even the language of gifts, this idea of something that we receive, something uh, that isn't deserved, something that isn't earned, something that we haven't worked hard to produce, there's this nod toward grace. There's a nod toward God's unmerited favor to his people. This idea that part of how we think about the origin of where our gifts come from and how we come by them should be rooted not only in God as creator and not only is God as redeemer but God as the gift giver for his people. The gracious one who builds us up and empowers us. That's What Paul is going after. And so you are likely a gifted person. And I know that because you're a human being. And you're participating here at Mosaic in the Life of the Church. And if gifts are God-given, so they're not dependent on something you've done in the past or what you know. And if gifts are from God and if they're given to everyone, then when we think about the local church and when we think about sisters and brothers, young and old, a variety of ethnic backgrounds, regardless of our education or economic status, we should think, here's a gifted person. Not gifted because of what they've accomplished, but gifted by God's grace. The design of spiritual gifts are rooted upon and stem from God's goodness to each of us. So in verses 4 through 11, Paul is unpacking this reality. And then as he continues on in verses 12 through 31, he uses a metaphor of the body to talk about how the design of spiritual gifts comes to bear in the life. What does that look like lived out? Uh, How can we live with these gifts? And I would call this the direction of godly love. So he introduces in verse 12 this metaphor of one body. And uh, he acknowledges that there is some unity and diversity. So we are one body, but we are various members. We are in one spirit, and we were all baptized into one body, but that's Jews and Greeks. Slaves are free. We were all made to drink from one spirit. Paul is talking about the Christian church not uh, merely as a similarly arranged demographic of people who've been put together as some organization for a cause, but as people from different walks of lives, with different backgrounds, with different families and histories, who have turned to Jesus in faith, have been baptized into one body have had one spirit poured out into their lives. And so when we think about the church, we can look to one another as members of the same body. A unity, one body, made up of a diversity, different parts, different backgrounds, And so for Paul, he unpacks this to show that uh, we have unity. And he goes on in verses 14 through 20 to talk about how uh, a body that was made up just of hands was just one giant hand. That would be weird. We wouldn't really recognize that as a body. Or uh, a body that was just a giant ear uh, wouldn't really be a body. He's saying, no, it's all of these various parts that you actually think this makes up the one body. And then he goes on in verses 21 through 31 to touch on uh, the pride aspect for how we think about that unity and diversity. He says, so, okay, if the one body is made up of many parts and we're united together in Christ, then we shouldn't think of one part as making up the whole body. Uh, we need each other in the midst of our differences, in the joy of our diversity, to make up the health of that one body. But Paul writes to discourage a sense of pridefulness, a sense of debate about which part of the body is better, which part of the body is more valuable. This is what was happening in the Corinthian church, where some people uh, who had speaking gifts, they thought, well, we have the real gifts. And everybody else, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have gifts, but they're not speaking gifts. And uh, they begin to separate themselves, to elevate themselves, to say they're speaking gifts, uh, tongues, prophecy, and then there's everything else. Now, surely this can't be too far from what life looks like for you, hopefully not in your experience at Mosaic Silver Spring, but in various workplaces and in organizations. There is always this lean toward distinguishing why you are the most valuable part of that organization. When I was in the military, there was a division of uh, the combat arms people, the people who did the fighting, the combat support people, so the people who would kind of support them on the front lines, and the combat service support, uh, the people who were a bit more distant, who provided all the logistics to make them happen. Now, in reality, all three of those things are necessary parts for any sort of functioning military, but what would happen is there was often uh, this sort of tearing of who's most important. And that's not unique to the army or the military. Uh, that happens in healthcare. Uh, just ask a doctor and then ask a nurse who's the most important part of your healthcare team? My guess is you may get different answers, right? Uh, and, and so um, this is what is working out, but it's happening in the church. And so Paul's writing to warn them to say, yeah, that's not actually how churches work, that, that, that's not how we can think about it together. To give you an illustration, imagine if we had a giant dinner, and we broke up who was bringing things, right? Uh, One person's going to bring a meat dish. Another person's bringing the rice. Another person is going to bring beer or wine. Another person, non-alcoholic drinks. uh, Another person, a vegetable dish. Another person, fruit, uh, an appetizer, some desserts, right? And it's the diversity of these dishes. When we all show up and bring them together, that's what makes it the dinner, but imagine if one person, uh, let's just say with the meat dish, is sitting in their car. And they're either thinking, oh, can you smell that meat dish? Let me get a picture of this. Oh, it's so good. Let me, let me take a few more pictures of this. And they just hang out in their car with the smell of the dish wafting through their vehicle as they reflect on how amazing uh, the craftsmanship of this dish went. They send texts to their friends. You want to share the recipe of what I did here? And uh, they know the ins and outs of this dish. Uh, but as amazing as that dish may be, and as, fair enough, the dish may look amazing, that dish in that one person's car doesn't make a dinner party, right? So as, as much as they're enjoying it in that moment in their car, and as much as they think this is probably going to be the best dish that's there, by the nature of excluding it from the party, they're failing to actually participate in what this dinner party is supposed to be. This is the pride that Paul is writing to warn people against when it comes to spiritual gifts. When we think about how things like Sunday mornings work, Paul is warning you from thinking that the important people are the people who stand up here and talk or sing. Or maybe the important people are the people who play the musical instruments, He's saying you can't separate the uh, on-stage or upfront gifts from the behind-the-scenes gifts because they're all part of the same worship service. So those who showed up early to set everything up, to put the communion elements in place, to unlock all the doors, those people, while unseen, are no less important in making this worship event happen than the people who stand up here and lead in various components. That the gifts that God gives us are from Him, and they're designed to serve the collective whole. So it's a warning, at least in 21 through 31, to keep us from pride. Now, on the 12 through 20 piece, I wanna talk just for a moment about one of the realities that we face here and now in Montgomery County in our time and place. So maybe someone stays in the car with their dish because they're so proud of what they've done that they don't really want to go in. But maybe a bit more closer to home. The person stays in their car because they're afraid. They're afraid of what it looks like to take their dish inside, what it means for them to connect with other people, And uh, what it means to put themselves in a vulnerable spot, because then they're around others. Maybe just easier to stay in the car and to not go there. One of the realities of COVID is that it has, in a sense, pushed us all away into our own separate vehicles, And so that now as we move to a time to regather together in worship, to use our gifts to serve and care for one another, one of the largest barriers that our church, along with many other churches, is going to face is the fear that comes with being together again. And I don't think that we have to ignore that or set that aside. I think Paul's instructions here in 1 Corinthians, gives us an appreciation of the unity and diversity of the gifts that he gives to the full church. And so he calls us, even in the midst of our fear of regathering together with others, he calls us to understand our gifts, to, to not belittle them or make them insignificant, as if uh, it doesn't matter to that larger thing. I, I'll, I'll just stay apart and I'll just stay separate. Paul is writing to say, no, 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 no. That's like saying you want a body just with a giant ear or just with a giant hand. That every part of the body makes up the whole. And so uh, no part can say I'm so unimportant or so unnecessary that I don't need to engage. I I think the fear of regathering is going to be a very real thing for all of us at different levels. And a healthy view of our gifts, not as something to be used individually or not as something to just be enjoyed in isolation, but as something that God has actually called us to use to care for and to serve others as part of a larger body can help us to find the motivation to regather, the motivation to worship together, the motivation to give of ourselves to help serve and love others. Now, I know that that can be a big ask, but I think that that's why Paul introduces this section with the reality of what drives our view of gifts, not one of arrogance and not one uh, neutered by fear, what can drive us and help empower us and motivate us in the face of fear is the love and grace of God shown to us in Jesus Jesus had lots of reasons when the Father asked him to take on humanity and to live faithfully and obediently and still give his life to the point of death on the cross. And yet Jesus in this moment of turmoil in the Garden of Gethsemane said, but not my will, your will be done. Jesus can serve as an example of faithfulness, not only as the source of gifts, but as the standard for living out our gifts in community. That is one of the ways that we can uh, be motivated, that we can look for hope in the face of fear. We can cling tightly to Jesus and follow his lead in giving of himself for the love and care of others. That's the driving motivation. It's not just to get back together. It's not just to check a religious box. God has graciously given us gifts, not just for ourselves to be enjoyed in isolation, but for the building up and care for our communities. That's what it looks like to follow the direction of godly love. The mission that we have as a church to uh, hear from God, to receive his good gifts, and to live them out and make them known in our community, that as we do that, Mosaic Silver Spring has to be reminded of where our source of these gifts come from. They're not something that are self-generated, but they are from God himself. We can be encouraged that it is God who supplies these gifts. So uh, no matter how young you are or how old you are, it is God who gives them to us. And we can look for strength in the standard that Jesus has set. In using his gifts for love and care for others. We can follow his lead, as Paul calls us to in verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. We can see how that worked out for Jesus himself, and then we can explore creatively and together what it looks like to use our gifts to work out for the common good. In all of this, looking to God as the source of our gifts, trusting that it is God's gracious supply of gifts, the reason why we have them, so no need to fight over them or to think we're insignificant, and then to follow Jesus' pattern is the standard of love. That's what it looks like for us to think about spiritual gifts, united together in Jesus for the love and care, not only for our community here at Mosaic, but for our neighborhoods large. He's strengthened us to that end. Whether in the challenge of our own pridefulness or the encouragement and strengthening of our hearts in the face of fear, let's look to Jesus together with the gifts that God has given. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we ask that you will watch over us and that as we as a community work through the coming weeks and months. As we think through what it looks like for us to love and care for one another, please keep us from pride and thinking that uh, some have gifts and, and so they're just at a different spiritual level. Keep us from being paralyzed by fear, thinking that our gifts are so insignificant as they don't do anything or that we can enjoy them in isolation. But rather, God, let us be strengthened by you to love and care for one another. In the days and weeks ahead, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.